the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! There is no off-season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome as we take you inside what we think it might look like, sort of, maybe inside NRG Stadium right now. And inside the OTAs, actually, as you will find out in just a few moments here. I'm Mark Vandermeer, hosting tonight with John Harris. And we've got a fun show. Not only will we talk about the missing OTAs and what we are missing, really, with no formal OTAs, but also a new segment in segment two, Who's Better? Johnny, who's better? You ready to play this one tonight? Yes, me. I'm better. Okay. You're oh, wait, better. Wait, yeah, wait, you're wait, definitely wait, wait. better. Oh, that's, oh, it's, oh, it's not that. Okay. It's, right. Yeah, it wasn't about you versus oh. other things. It would oh, okay. it'd be like, we're not going to do this. I know this is kind of popular lately. Maybe that's the mm-hmm. wrong word. MJ or LeBron, who's better? We're not going to do that one. We're okay. going to do some other ones that people will find interesting in the world of professional football like and it. beyond. And there I might like be some it. what's better. We might go with some um, objects as well as people. So who's better, what's better, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. We'll go around the league as well as the owners uh, met virtually, digitally today, and some stuff came out of there. And as usual, you get a bunch of reports about how this whole thing might go down, and this whole thing meaning the NFL season, which is slated to begin for the Houston Texans that weekend beginning Thursday, August 13th. They'll play the Vikings that first weekend. That schedule is going to come out tomorrow as far as times and dates and all of that with the preseason hookups. And um, and we'll talk about that. I mean, preseason football, yeah, let's go. I mean, are you kidding me? Johnny, how, <laughs> pre, if there was a preseason game tonight, it would get a Super Bowl rating. <laughs> it would be the most overanalyzed preseason <laughs> game in the history of football. Oh, my gosh. People thirsting for it, just dying for it, starving for football content. I would do a football 101 on every undrafted free agent after the game. I mean, mm-hmm. I would just be uh, – yeah. I mean, you could – you know, it's in a crazy in a crazy way. It's and I know, you know, when I say this, I, I don't want to minimize obviously, uh, you know, addiction of any kind. But when you think about when you have something that's in your life so frequently, and then all of a sudden it's out, like what do you do? I mean, obviously, when yeah. people have an addiction or they have a habit and they're trying to break that habit, big hole. Um, yeah, there's a big like. What do they do? I remember John yeah. Daly. John Daly for a long time was uh, was Diet Coke and and heaters. I mean, he fired yeah. up a lung dart with anybody, and so, but he was trying to replace yeah. drinking with something, and so that's what he replaced it with. And so, trying to figure out like what do you replace? You know, especially once we get to the fall. If for some reason, there's a delay in the fall. No, 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 oh my god! I, I oh, think some, uh, somehow, I'll some way. Johnny, I think somehow, some way they play. It's just a matter of what it looks like in the stands. I think True. that's the biggest question. I was on with Paul I think so Allen too. of the Minnesota Vikings, voice of the Vikings. You know, you and I have talked to him numerous yep. times at the Combine. 
and uh, I was on his show, and you know, I brought up the the possibility of, yeah, hey, Paul, what if there's only one TV truck for preseason games? What does that mean for radio traveling? <laughs> and he's like, I never even thought of that. Yeah. What are you doing, Vox? He calls all the voices of the teams Vo- the Vox <laughs> of the Texans. That's who I am. And I said, listen, listen, Vox, Vikings Vox, uh, just get ready for anything. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that, of course. Uh, but I, I, especially if there are no fans, I don't see there's, uh, you know, there's an issue having a radio well, crew. Mark, I don't what know. What if only one it. of us can go? What if only one of us can go? I wonder who that who that would be. I mean, I'm sorry. I know who it would, I know who it would be. Don't get me wrong. Like I know exactly who it would be. I'm sorry. Oh gosh, I don't know but, why I just made myself laugh. Yeah, why did why did you now? I now would I'm go depressed. with two Dixie cups and a string. I'm bringing the game back to Houston. Damn it, whichever way I can. I'm doing it on my cell phone. Holy what? Don't even don't even do that to me because I know you would go. I mean, of course I would. I might kill you before you go, uh, but you know that's what. Uh, but, listen, that's that's it's what we're. You know, it's what we're looking at. So I would you know, camp out. If they said I couldn't go, I'd be in an air vent high above U.S. Bank <laughs> Field calling the skull. Are they going to do the skull chant with nobody in the stands <laughs> if that's what <laughs> it comes to? That. They're going to pipe that in. That I will, t- I will tell you. In people that live in Houston that are listening that might be Vikings fans that have been to a game up there, I, we went up there in 2016. It was the first year that U.S. Bank Stadium was open. And we were, I don't know, week five or six or something of that yeah. nature. So they of had the been Osweiler open. era. Yeah, don't remind me. So it was probably game two or three for them up there. Yeah. And so I think it was probably like in the third quarter. I just hear this kind of low, guttural something. And I'm like, what is that? And then I hear it, <laughs> and then I hear it again. I'm like, what are they saying? And so now I'm really now I'm paying attention. So I, I pull the I pull my headphone off one ear just to listen, and then I hear skull, skull, and it's yeah. growing louder and it's going faster and they're clapping and I'm like, what is this? And then I find myself I'm clapping along like what is this? Yeah. And there's skull. And then I found out as I was talking to people like that was apparently new to the stadium I guess. In 2016, they wanted to come up Jeez. with something that was a little so bit different. So that was the first year of the skull chant? Yeah, because I, I, I talked to somebody That's that said, impressive. yeah, we, that was not done. That was not done in the Metrodome. Now, I, you know, could have had bad information, but that's what I was told. And I'm like, wow, that's, so it, that's awesome. That, that it's is amazing. really wild. I mean, it's wild. If you've heard it on TV, yeah. it's cool. But when you're there, you're sort of like, oh, my God. What oh, it was is uh, yeah. happening right now? Now, they did have these giant, I don't know what they were, like Viking stone structures and a, and a Viking boat things yeah. uh, when they come out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I took a, I tweeted a picture out, and I said, this reminds me of Spinal Tap and Stonehenge. <laughs> People who saw the movie can, uh, can remember that, where there was a Stonehenge on stage in danger of being crushed by a dwarf when they had the wrong size Stonehenge manufactured for the show. But anyway, uh, I just had a Stonehenge vibe. But then uh, that vibe went away. It was very intimidating to me to be there. Yes. Credit them with that skull champ because, look, the Bud Grant Vikings, this was a hell of a team in the 70s. Yep. They went to four Super Bowls, lost them all. But you've got to be good to get there four times. And the fact that they have that kind of tradition of, of having been there before, not winning yeah. it, but being there, and then they just, 
inaugurate this thing in 2016 is pretty impressive because look, Fly Eagles Fly has been around forever. Yeah. Uh, Hail to the Redskins. You know what other other whatever other traditions you want to come up with uh, for various teams. J E T S, which is pretty simple compared to the others, but it still is effective oh. with Fireman Ed and all that. They've had that for a while, so I give them credit. Anyway, I didn't want to start there. I wanted to start here, Johnny, because. The OTAs would be going on. I think last week around this time you said, you know what, we would have missed today, the very first availability for OTAs when we could watch it. So yeah. we didn't watch anything because they, they're not practicing. They're doing the yeah. virtual digital meetings. They're doing a lot of classroom work right now. Players are working out on their own. I would imagine some small groups, and you know we don't have all the details on that, but they're doing whatever they can to get ready for the season. And it is a better prep mode than the lockout year of 2011. We all agree on that. However, what are we missing? If we were out at OTAs today, Johnny, give me something that you would have been looking out for, you might have seen if we actually had an OTA in these days of missing OTAs. Well, I think the biggest thing would have been just quarterback-receiver connection. You bring in Brandon Cooks, you bring in Randall Cobb. How did that connection look? What, what did that look like? Because Bill O'Brien has said it many, many times. Hey, look, this, this is sort of like seven-on-seven seven spring football and it's shorts and T-shirts sort of thing. It's not real football, but you get the the one big thing you do get out of it is the opportunity to throw throw the pigskin around and see the connection quarterback to wide receivers. Those guys can start getting on the same page, start having some one-on-one competition between DBs and, and wide receivers. Yeah, the big guys can't hit, so you know the best you can do from a competitive standpoint is – to see what the receivers and DBs going against one another, linebackers and safeties against tight ends, linebackers against running backs, those kind of things. So you would start you would start to see some of that connection coming to fruition, hopefully. Now, it wouldn't be automatic and it wouldn't be beautiful on that first day, but you would see what Brandon Cooks looks like next to Will Fuller, next to Kenny Stills, next to Randall Cobb, next to Duke Johnson, next to David Johnson, etc. And we would all be coming back media-wise, and, and there would obviously be a lot. We would want to see the new guys. What does David Johnson look like? Does he look healthy? Oh, man, he looks a lot healthier than people think. Boy, he's going to surprise some people this year if he can stay at that health what he is right now, which we all know once you get into the season as a running back, yeah, it's dicey, uh, especially the fact that David's been hurt the last couple of years. But those have been the things that we're talking about. How did Randall Cobb look? How did Brandon Cooks look? David Johnson, does Deshaun look like he's comfortable with those guys offensively? How, um, you know, when they went team, did they do some up-tempo stuff? You know, how did all that look? Was everybody on the same page? All that kind of stuff. I think that would have been and – and I think offensively the one – you know, we've talked about a lot of different things, but you know, we know what Deshaun to Darren Fells is going to look like for the most part. And we've seen Deshaun to Jordan Akins, too. We've seen moments in OTAs and in training camp where Watson to Akins was all day long. But I think I know I'm, I'm one person that wants to see Watson the wearing. I want to see what that looks like yep. and to see if that connection can really kind of get off the ground. So those have been the things I know in OTAs I would have been – I would definitely have been looking at, and of course, you want to see what the you know what undrafted free agent stands out to you. You know, Tyler Simmons, uh, you know the uh, receiver slash returner slash special team star from Georgia. You know, what does he look like? You know, what do some of the other guys look like? And then obviously, you know, drafted drafted rookies. 
you know, Ross Blacklock, John Grenard, how those guys look. And obviously those big guys are not going to be able to do a whole heck of a lot during yeah. OTAs. But you can't – and I've said this to many people because I hear a lot of me, oh, you can't really tell anything. But, but you can. You really can. You can watch a guy move around and go, okay, yeah, I can see how this is going to come together. Or you can watch a guy move around and go, no, nope. And I remember – and I'll go back to a perfect example. That was Roosevelt Colvin. I remember Roosevelt Colvin came and signed with the Texans back in '09, uh, Mark. '08, '09. It was too late. That's what yeah, it was. Right, exactly. And you didn't need training camp practice to figure it out. You could watch him move around and go, "Oh boy, he's not moving very well." Okay, well yeah. maybe it's just a veteran. And then when the next day, like, "Uh oh." Okay, well maybe when the pa- it started kind of raising some question marks when that you know when you went, "Oh boy." Um, and it just wasn't there. And it was kind of the same thing when I saw Ed Reed, you know, for the first time. And I just saw him even working on the side field. Like, okay, that's, that's not looking good. We're not going to see him for a while. Um, so you get to see how these guys move around, who looks fluid. And I remember the very first day of OTAs of 2010. And this is, this is the one I always go back to. You know what we all talked about in 2010. Everything was pretty much in place. Shop in place, going into his fourth year. Receivers, Dre, Ken Walter, Jacoby Jones, felt good about that. David Anderson, I believe, still in that group. Offensive line had been together for a while. We felt very good about the offense except for one position. Running and back. that was it, running back. And yep. they just drafted Ben Tate. Like, oh, man, we get a chance to see what Ben Tate looks like. And at the end of that OTA practice, I came back to my radio station at the time, Mark, and I said, the starting running back is going to be this guy right here, and it's going to be, going to be Aaron Foster. And it is clear he is leaps and bounds beyond these other guys. Oh, you can tell that without Pat. Heck yeah. Just watch this guy move. Everything. Yeah. Watch the way he moves. Watch the cuts he makes. I can tell you right now, Aaron Foster's going to be the starter. I don't care what Ben Tate does. If that continues and he stays healthy, that's the guy. And yep. then first day one, he runs for over 200-plus yards against the Colts, and it was fantastic. So uh, there are some things you can absolutely tell without pads as you go into OTAs. But I know I would have had my eyes on definitely Deshaun and that wide receiver crew and the pass-catching crew, all of them, because there are a lot of them that have got to prove themselves this year and prove that they got a connection with Deshaun. There's no question about that. When you think about how many veterans are on this team, you know, you just listed a lot of names. There would have been a lot to look at. You know, Again, yeah. we're doing the missing OTAs. What we would have been looking at at OTAs today, what we might have seen – Look, there would have been a lot of guys to look at today. Like yep. you mentioned, I mean, Cooks and Cobb and, and how does Fuller look health-wise and everybody else you mentioned. One guy you did mention was Waring, and I think Waring – look, I don't want to put too much on a guy going into his second year who didn't even play his first year, but it's an interesting addition to you know whatever he can do because yep. he's not a rookie and he's not a veteran. He's somewhere in between. He's He has yep. no track record whatsoever, yet he has observed he's been on campus – and you do get a benefit to that. You know, Nick Martin was on campus a year before mm-hmm. he uh, got stepped into the starting lineup and started doing some things because uh, he was hurt. You know, this happens to a bunch of guys. Greg Mance, same thing, by the way, uh, was, was hurt his first year. Sometimes this happens, and sometimes it works out really well. Other times it doesn't, obviously. But for Waring to be out there today, if that could have been the case, and when he does finally get out there, uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on him. What can you add to this lineup? Uh, he's feeling the pressure, too, I would imagine. Sure. Third-round draft choice. He wants to show out uh, because it doesn't last forever, that opportunity. They're not going to wait forever. Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole show on players we waited forever for and it just never materialized, like like Lonnie Ballantyne. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> guys. Like who, Benny uh, Jopru. 
Benny Jopru waited a long time for Benny Jopru. Waited a long time for him. Now, Quesenberry, you waited a long time for, and it was a different set of circumstances. Yeah, that was different. I, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I'll uh, give you one. I'll give you one, and I was, one. I was like, this is going to when – it, when it happened – well, actually, two guys in the same draft, really, mm-hmm. that I thought for sure, like, oh, my God, they're about to put teams on notice. Braxton Miller oh, and yeah. Tyler Irvin. Now, Tyler, unfortunately, had the injury – um, and that slowed that slowed him down, and so I think that was a big part of it. But he played, but a little but bit. he played, yeah, he played a little yeah. bit. Braxton, man, did we yeah. not wait? I kept thinking, here yeah. it comes, here it comes. And that Monday night game in Mexico City, yeah. if you remember, he threw that move on that Raiders DB and caught a touchdown pass. And I thought, okay, here we go. Yep. It's now going to start to end. Build on it. Never, never materialized for for whatever for whatever reason, and. Yeah. Found himself just behind guys, and before you know it, Will Fuller has really dominated. And Braxton, I don't think, was a slot receiver. I mean, I think that's what we wanted him to be, but he really wasn't. But it just never – we kept waiting, like, okay, what's, what's Braxton Miller going to look like? And my fear, we mentioned all these guys that I just – I mean, I mentioned a bunch of them, right? Mm-hmm. Who's one guy that I didn't mention at all that probably has more to prove to stay on this roster – Given the offseason changes, and that's Kiki QT. I was just going to bring him up. Yeah, yeah, he's he's another one because I mean, if you're him, you're looking at this like, oh, they acquired Randall Cobb, they acquired Brandon Cooks, and you know, after saying goodbye to Hop, and they drafted a receiver, and oh my yeah. goodness, what am I going to do? Well, maybe he responds to the challenge. You know, I always bring up the Bryce McCain story when they brought in all those B- DBs in 2010. And, yeah. you know, Bryce McCain, actually in 2011. And 2010 is when he started to fall off and at the end of the year was deactivated. 2011, he turns into a contributor on the number two defense in the league and extends his career by a great deal. Not always here, but he played for a long time in the NFL and credit him for that because he's not a high-round draft choice. So good for him for building a career out of uh, – and, you know, people are like, wow, he's not that good, Mark. Listen, what was he – Johnny, was he fifth or sixth round draft choice, Bryce McCain? Whatever it was. Sixth round. Yeah, I, it was round. not high. And he turns it into a lengthy NFL career. You have to look at these stories this way. Not everybody is going to ten Pro Bowls. You need players like this to be successful. Um, and, and you have to salute them when they build a career out of being a sixth, seventh round draft choice or Really, any round if you want to get into it. All right, let's get into this now. A little bit of missing OTA stuff for you right there. Next, who's better? Yes, some Texans are in the equation. And we brought this up because, like, is MJ better than LeBron? We're not going to talk about that. But it's the kind of thing we're going to do next with football players and some other people as well. As Texans All Access continues. This is Whitney Merciless, and you're listening to Texans Radio. Don't touch that dial or else. Back to the show that keeps you up to date on the Houston Texans. Texans All Access. Uh, It's fun that Sean's going to do that. Uh, We got a bunch of plans to do stuff like that, too. I'm joining up with TJ Yates, and we're going to go over the 2011 AFC South playoff berth clincher, division clincher, uh, the 2011 game that Yates started and threw 300 yards in. I know I'm not supposed to end a sentence in a preposition, but I just <laughs> did, Johnny. So anyway, that's going to be fun. That'll be next week. And sometime early next week, you, me, Andre, we're going to call mm-hmm. on Madden 
Texans versus Colts with the new rosters. Let's dance, baby. Yes. You've got Jonathan Taylor running the rock for Indy. Uh-oh. You've got Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb doing business for the Houston Texans. Who's going to win, Texans and Colts? And we're going to have that game for you. I think we're targeting Monday night, but you'll hear more details coming up. So Ooh, Monday night. Together nice. For that one. Yeah, yeah, we want some Monday night football, Johnny. That's all there I is like to it. Monday night football is awesome. Yes. I would right, go so, for that right now. So let's do this. Now, here's a segment, who's better? Who's better? What's better? So, for instance, we're not going to do this, but who's better, MJ or LeBron? Yep. I don't want to get into that. Okay. <laughs> Too many people have done that right. lately. Uh, but uh, that kind of thing. And it's going to be more nuanced than that, all right? I mean, geez, that's, it's so funny because, all right, I'm going to do one for you here. We'll, we'll okay. warm up with this one. Okay. And this one was big in South Florida when I was doing South Florida Sports Talk Radio. Who's better? Elway or Marino? Johnny, go. Boy. <laughs> and you well, he didn't in, know these in, were okay. coming, by the way, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, I didn't. I'll t- but I'll tell you this. In 1980s football, straight drop back, Dan Marino. Okay. Nowadays, John Elway. It's interesting. When we were in London, I went down and talked to our buddy uh, Frank Frandy. And Frank's in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, for when, when the Jags struggle – they obviously we joke about the tarps and all that kind of stuff, but part of the reason that they that they do struggle is people have all it's always been a college football town first. And so Frank's talking Gators, I mean, a ton. Gators and Knowles, but Gators always before. And so we were talking about Kyle Trask, who a lot of people know from Manville High School, played behind Derek King, never started because King was always the starter. And Trask took over last year at Florida because of an injury. And Trask looks every bit the part of of a late 1990s, early 2000s NFL quarterback. Big, strong, can make any throw on a field, but really can't get himself out of danger. And I was talking with Frank, and Frank and I were talking about it, and he goes, you know, back in the day, Kyle Trask would be a bona fide first-round draft pick. And I still think there's a possibility, but because we've seen so many quarterbacks now that can buy themselves time because of how they move in the pocket you know, Kyle Trask is a guy that doesn't do that. Now, he's got all the arm talent in the world. He can do anything a quarterback can do other than make people miss in the pocket, make up for an offensive line that may not be great. Uh, and that's what Elway would have done. Elway in the 2000s, two, starting, I don't know, mid-2000s, 2010, hey, if he were the quarterback in these offenses, good grief. Can you imagine John Elway? In, in in the Philadelphia Eagles offense with a bunch of RPOs and those kind of things, oh, man, it would have been on. Now, Marino, you put Marino in a New England Patriots offense, boy, he fits hand in glove. But I just think the game is moving more towards what Elway would have been. So I'll take Elway today. You asked me this question 20 years ago, I'd have said, no, no, no I'll take Marino. Twenty? You mean 25, maybe? Yeah. All right, yeah. so. Well, 20 years ago, I was coaching. I would have taken – well, you know what? I would have wanted Elway, too, because that's really when the running quarterback, to me, or the, the quarterback running was a weapon in your offense. That's when it started for me. So, that yeah, so you're right. Probably 25 years ago, I'd probably take Marino. Uh, people don't remember – I mean, I shouldn't say that. A lot of you do. But a, a lot of people don't recall – um, or maybe you're just too young to have seen Elway play in the 80s. when oh. He was so fantastic. Now, Marino put up ungodly numbers. We talk about this all the time, how mm-hmm. he put up numbers that would fit in with today's quarterbacks, which is ridiculous. Yeah, numbers-wise, yes. 
it shows you how effective he was throwing the football, those offenses. And I credit Don Shula, who obviously recently passed, with being able to build his offense around Marino after coming from David Woodley. You know, all right, I recorded that San Diego-Miami 41-38 overtime AFC divisional yeah. round game, uh, and the NFL Network was running NFL's greatest games. They actually mislabeled it on the channel guide. It said AFC Championship 1981. It wasn't a championship it's game. Not. It was a divisional round game. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, they're going to run the AFC Championship from – wait a minute. They got it wrong. They yeah. got it wrong. That's uh, So uh, I, I can't wait to see that one and show it to my kid. And I was telling him about the game, that David Woodley started that game, and Don Strzok came off the bench and threw yep. the ball well. The Dolphins could adapt. They were so well coached. Uh, I do think – I think I'd pick Elway as well. I do like Marine. They're both great. It's it, like when you have these arguments, it's not like saying the other guy stinks. Okay, right. who's better, Johnny? You ready for this one? Of course. Who's better? Andre Johnson or Marvin Harrison, who is better? Harrison finished ahead of Andre Johnson on the all-time receptions list. Harrison, 1,102 catches in the high 900s, all from Peyton Manning. Andre Johnson, so he's right behind him, 1,062. What do you think? Two things to me separate, and you just mentioned one of them, why I would pick Andre Johnson. Number one, Marvin Harrison had Peyton Manning all those years. Now, no offense to Schaub or to David Carr or even to Fitzy in that last year in 2014. Andre never had Peyton Manning throwing him the football. Here's number two. Marvin Harrison lined up on one side of the field and played half the field, and that was all he did. It's basically like playing Iowa high school girls basketball where you were on one side of the court you didn't even play defense. You just oh did the offense. That's all he did. He played on that side of it. Andre moved all over the field. He could play the X. He could play the Z. You could even ask him to play tight end if you wanted to. I'll take Andre all day, every day. Marvin Harrison is not like, listen, Marvin Harrison was an exceptional receiver for what the Colts wanted to do. And teams knew that they were going to throw the ball to Marvin Harrison, but he played one side of the field and did basically one thing on that side of the field. Like, Forget it. No, Andre Johnson. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, look, Andre, you, you mentioned it, the quarterbacks. Marvin Harrison having Reggie Wayne with him and the other weapons and Peyton Manning throwing him the rock. And, and I always go back to this kind of stuff. If you have a bunch of GMs and they do a draft, what's the consensus right. pick between the two guys in their prime? You know, who do you want on your team? It's going to be Andre Johnson. Yes. So uh, I agree. All right, here we go. Who's better? We've talked about this recently. We were mentioning the Detroit Lions. The Texans play them this year up there Thanksgiving. It's going to be awesome. Matt Stafford, who we like, nice guy. I've interviewed him before. I think you mm-hmm. have too. Uh, nice guy. Not to take anything away from his talent. He's supremely talented. He really is. But over the course of his career, which began in 2009, they've had four winning seasons. So I mentioned this. He's kind of like the Archie Manning of the teens here. Yes. You know, he the way he is so highly regarded, yet they don't win. And Jim Caldwell, he got him fired. Uh, Matt Patricia, I, I, I hate to say that. He no, got Matt him Patricia fired. We'll get Matt but, Patricia you know, fired. Jim Caldwell got fired uh, yes. after going 9-7, and seven, by the way. Matt Patricia right. better get it going fast, otherwise yes. he's gone too. But I mentioned, you know, he's kind of the Archie Manning of this, of this day. Who's better, Matt Stafford or Archie Manning? And what do you know? I've got Archie Manning's numbers up here. They're not good, but 
when you look at 70s QB numbers, yeah, even the good QBs in the 70s, Johnny, I mean, it's tough. Like, Burt Jones was a highly regarded quarterback. Numbers don't look so great. Brian Sipe won an MVP once upon a time. Eh, you know, the numbers don't tell the whole story. Manning played on horrible Saints teams, by and large. Finished 8-8. Eight and eight. That horrible. was the high watermark in 1979. Who's better, Archie Manning or Matt Stafford? I would take Archie. I would take Archie. Archie had nothing. Nothing. Archie had no one around him whatsoever. Matt Stafford came into the league throwing a Megatron. Like, he came into the league throwing a Megatron. Archie Manning was throwing – I mean, he eventually got Wes Chandler. And that that was the best that the Saints could do for Archie Manning was to give him Wes Chandler. I think he had Chuck Muncie as a running back for a little while before uh, Muncie ended up going to the uh, San Diego Chargers. And so did Wes Chandler. And Wes Chandler went to the the Chargers. Manning had absolutely nothing. If if you would have given Manning, like I think it's the 2014 Lions. Mm -hmm. I think it's the 2014 Lions. If you would have given Archie Manning at the beginning of his career, let's just say in his prime, you give Archie Manning a 2014 Lions crew. Now, obviously, he couldn't do anything about the defense. The defense is okay. But Archie Manning wouldn't have been losing playoff games. First of all, they wouldn't have been a wild card. They would have won the division. And they would have been doing something with Archie Manning at quarterback. And I like, I like Matt. I think Matt does get a bad rap on certain things. But as it pertains to Archie Manning, and here's the thing. People say, oh, well, you, you just love the Mannings. No, no, no. I was never and have never been a Peyton Manning guy. I never understood the fascination with Manning. Never, and I, I, I know, I, like, I can see with my own eyes. I saw what he did to the Texans. I get it. Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. I would take Tom Brady over him every single day of the week. I would take TJ Yates over him every single day of the week. I am just kidding when I said that, but I was waiting for at least some response because I know some people are in the car going, what did you say? I was just not a, I was not a Manning guy. But I think Archie's skill set – see, that's the thing. Archie's skill set was much different than Eli and Peyton. Archie could move. Archie could get out of the pocket and make something happen. And if you had to put that in the Lions offense with Jim Caldwell, Jim Caldwell still be the coach. Uh, Peyton Manning and Brady were the Magic and Larry of this league for a while. Yeah. All right? Now, not oh, that yeah. they needed – like, Magic and Larry did the NBA. It's it's lore. It's what they needed at the time. It, it, it launched the league into another stratosphere of – of excellence and recognition. So it wasn't quite the same in that way. Uh, and if you had to pick one to be magic, it would be Brady. But is Brady not more Jordan, really? Uh, because Manning, yeah. and, and I say the magic and Larry, because magic outdid Larry in terms of championships and everything and, and beat him head-to-head more. But is it more? Let's see. He had 85 and 87. Yeah, so he did. Yeah. Um, I think so, magic at five. Magic at five. Cause he had magic at five, Larry at three. And yeah. and Larry's two two of Larry's were over the. But I'll Rockets. take Larry. I'll take Larry though. You'll I'll take Larry. Larry. I I know that's crazy. I'll uh, I'll take Larry Bird. I, All right. I don't know. Oh, this is this is a good one. All right. So sixty seconds on this. You get thirty seconds. Go. On Magic and Larry. Yeah. Oh, I, I'll take Larry all day because Larry had the one thing, especially that Magic didn't. Now Magic could create for for guys. Yeah. But Magic had so many guys he could create for. Larry could create. But Larry could shoot. Magic couldn't shoot. He couldn't yeah. shoot. Larry can knock down. And I'm telling you, if Larry played in today's game where the three was much more prevalent, forget it. He would have averaged 35-plus every night just 
if he wanted to, shooting threes. Larry Bird was so great, he went out to Portland one night on a back-to-back and said, I'm going to beat you all with my left hand, and then scored 35 points, I believe, with his left hand. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and I always thought the, the biggest thing he had going for him, or in the argument, was Magic got to play with Kareem, who's one of the top five players of all time, maybe. Yeah. You know, he's certainly a top ten player. Larry didn't have any top ten players with him. You know what we missed, close. though? You know what we missed? What? We missed Bird and Bias. Yeah, that's what we missed. Yeah. That's what that's that would have been a huge barometer, Bird and Bias. Yeah, Bird and Bias playing together and then handing the baton to Bias and seeing what he could take from mm-hmm. there. Reggie Lewis was nice though for the Celtics. All right, back to foot back to football. Johnny, who's better? We're doing the who's better segment here. The 2018 Chiefs or the 1999 St. Louis Rams? Who's better? Okay, say that again. I got a. I, you said 2019 Chiefs. I said 2018 Chiefs. I oh, 2018 better, Chiefs. Better, better oh, numbers. Uh, man, I know this one won a championship, but I'll it's tell you what. Like it's kind of like what we were talking about with the Steelers when they went 15 and one, but they won the Super Bowl the next year. That's that's the feeling. It's not exactly that, but it's the feeling I get from the Chiefs who, you know, they weren't as good. I felt like they weren't as good this past year, but yeah. they got into the playoffs. They fell behind in these games, and they managed to find a way to win. So, I mean, it's winning football. It's what it takes. It felt like, and I'm going to make sure I say this right, because all the weapons on the Rams, the Rams threw the ball down the field. I mean, they they really opened it up. But I don't know that I looked at the Rams receivers and and feared them. The way that I look at Kelsey and Tyreek and go, God, I can't believe we're going to face these guys. Oh, I can't believe it. It was this. an ensemble. Tory yeah. Holt, so, Isaac yeah, Bruce, Fox. Yeah, so it felt like with the ramp now, that was the that, that's the great equalizer, though, is is Marshall Falk. Yeah. Falk is the one guy that he did, he was, he was scary. But with the Chiefs, you have Pat throwing to Kelsey and Tyreek. And it just feels like the Chiefs, the Rams, it felt like they were going to score on you no matter where they were on a field. But it, I don't think it was going to be a one-play score. The Chiefs, they might go three drives and do nothing and then all of a sudden hit an 85-yard bomb because Tyreek beat you deep. Yep. The Rams, it, it felt like they were going to beat you with 1,000 paper cuts if they needed to. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, it's just going to be one slice and you're done. And they've got a pretty healthy ninja sword to be able to do that. Uh, with with Tyreek, but Marshall made them so different. Marshall was the the equalizer, and the Chiefs don't have that. I know Clyde Edwards-Helaire is going to be a good player for them. Damian Williams is not that. Marshall Falk on the Chiefs in 2018, oh, shut yeah. it down. Oh, yeah. Shut no, it down. Please, please no. Okay, I've got one more, and you're going to answer it after the break. We're we're doing the Who's Better segment. Save this one for the next segment. Who's better? For football, Al Michaels or Pat Summerall? You'll have that answer for me next, and we'll talk about what the owners discussed today. It's happening on Texans All Access. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. Don't miss an episode of our Texans podcasts. Subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher to get the latest sent right to your phone. You know, I, I'm a Google Android guy. 
uh, Johnny. I work with that uh, little startup out of the Valley called Google. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of them, uh, uh, yeah. but that's, that's my phone. So I don't get the iTunes podcast. I go on Stitcher and TuneIn and, and Spreaker and all these <laughs> other things. <laughs> Spreaker. I've been potting a lot. You know, when I go running, I go potting. I listen to either one of ours or somebody else, like Gary huh. V or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah. And you know what? Podcasts. Even though they're competition for us, I get it, audio competition. It, it's very encouraging to me because this is radio in the 21st century. It's just a continuation of the medium. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, Marconi would have been like, yep, that makes sense. If you could see it today, that makes sense that that's where it's gone to. And, you know, it's we have terrestrial radio. We have podcasting. We do both. It's all great. So wonderful to be on the air with everybody talking about Houston Texans football and other stuff. Now, we left you. It was a cliffhanger in the last segment Who's better for football broadcasting, Al Michaels or Pat Summerall? And before I ask you, before you answer, uh, Vanderkid 2 is up here, and I'm sorry, Vanderkid 2, we cannot do a segment on Beyblades, okay? He wanted us to talk about, <laughs> like, why aren't we talking about the most important thing in all of competition, Beyblades? And I just can't go there right now. And I didn't even know what these things were until a few months ago when he became obsessed with them. And other parents listening right now, you are suffering along with me with the relentless pursuit of purchasing Beyblades at a frenetic pace and all they do to your kids' lives. So anyway. What is it. what is it? It's Beyblades? like a, it's a top that the, and they got a TV show, and it's all about selling the toys, as most of these kids' TV shows are. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like a, a, it spins very quickly. It's very impressive. And you spin two tops with these launchers, and they spin very fast. And they come apart. They'll crash into each other, and whoever survives is the winner. And the cartoon oh, is very it. nasty. These kids are like, they're very nasty to each other. I'm gonna get you! And they summon like these ancient gods, and it's uh, it's probably not very good for him. But anyway, yeah. it's uh, you know it's pr- approved for seven and older. So what the heck? Anyway, Beyblade burst. That's what oh. it is. It's a Beyblade burst. They they oh, wow. burst each other or whatever. Okay, so I tell like me, Al thing. Michaels, Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall. Go. Pat Summerall. I and maybe part of it is that Pat just brings me back, but yeah, Pat was when you when you listen to Pat Summerall and and look, Al is not Kevin Harlan. I, I like Kevin. I interviewed Kevin a lot for my overnight show, and Kevin was so great. But mm-hmm. Kevin, when he does a game on the radio, be it basketball or football. He tells you what every blade of grass is doing, and it's it's almost disconcerting. Al does not obviously on TV. It's a much different. You don't need to tell quite that story. I think Al does a good job telling the story. I think he is an enjoyable listener. There's no no question to me about that. But when you listen to Pat Summerall, it was I've, first of all the voice. You just, uh, you'd hear that voice, yeah. and you go, oh, that's Pat. You knew it was Pat, and then you knew it was a big game. Mm-hmm. And I know that probably the, the youngsters now, they hear Al's voice and probably feel that same way. But for us, it was you hear Pat Summerall's voice and along with John Madden, and you knew, okay, this is the g- I don't care who's playing. And they usually had the biggest game. I don't care who's playing. I'm, I'm watching this game because they're calling the game. It was one of the – not rare instances. I used to do this with Dick Vitale early in his career. Like, if Dickie V was calling a game, I wanted to watch it because, first of all, I knew it was an important game. But I was I would be entertained by him. With Pat and John, I was entertained. I was informed. But Pat, the way that he just wove 
the very short spurts, you know, yeah. uh, the way he would say far back to throw. Stewart touchdown Packers, and it was like six it was words. An it was and an he just Check told you out. everything. 1996 NFC Championship game in Toronto. A tradition with legends as big as any in pro football. But today's Green Bay Packers seek to create a legacy of their own. And in 1996, expectations ran high, and the Packers delivered. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. It, gets, it just gives me chills. I have, I have chills. I, that, I, oh. you know, that's that. what's missing from so many guys today is the drama. It's like they take it. That's taking it seriously, and and I just think people today almost take it too seriously. Like, like they're about to describe surgery. It's not surgery. <laughs> it's drama. It's yeah. NFL drama. I mean, I mean, this is Lambeau Field, and he's not even talking. Yeah. And he was the best at laying out. All right, so he hang was- on a second. Trying to find. It looks like the weather's pretty good and it's going to be a fast track. What kind of game do you expect? I think the weather's going to be cold, but I think the field is. All right, so I'm sorry. Just, just hearing those two, I, yeah. I mean, hearing those two just brings me back. Now, I I will say, and, I, and I've never had the opportunity to meet either Pat or Al, but Al has. Al has. I've heard interviews with Al. I've talked to people that you know have known him. Obviously, he's dealt with people in our building. He's been around our building. Everybody to a man says Al Michaels is as good as it gets as, oh, yeah. in, as a human being. Like, he is just the absolute best. And so that will always warm my heart. Now, I, I can't yeah. speak to Pat. I know Pat had to get through and get over some hurdles with some things he was dealing with, with alcoholism and things like that. But I think, in general, Pat was thought of as highly as Al is. And I, I hope before – you know, too long. I just have the opportunity to meet Al, and there have been times where I'm I want to go up and talk to him, and I'm like I I don't know. Um, but you know, we had the opportunity to interview Jim Nance, and that was re- that was really cool. Sure, that was really cool. And Jim was just so giving of his time and asking me where I was from, and then found out I was from Houston, so we had a lot of connection there. And, and Al, I I've heard is kind of the same way. So you know, when Al's calling a game, and that's the thing. For Pat, it was football, but you mentioned it. For Al, he could do so many different sports. And what is he most well known for? Do you believe in miracles? Yeah. Yes, a hockey game. Right, more than any football call he's ever done. Yeah, and that's unfortunate you know, because I think he is—he's right there with Pat as far as level of NFL play-by-play broadcaster. But he's known for that. He, to me, it's more about his versatility, whereas Pat was just brilliant the way that he told the story of the game johnny most of the tv guys the national voices aren't known for specific calls right right summerall's not known for any specific call in fact the super 70 sports guy tweets out you know he'll tweet out this the the slate promoting the sunday night lineup on cbs like murder she wrote (laughs) he says i dare you to to read this and not hear it in summerall's voice tonight murder she wrote yeah, and that is it. I mean, that's that's Summerall right there. And as I say, the guys today take it. Look, Joe Buck, they're all great. Joe Buck's great. Al Michaels is great. Jim Nance is great. They're all great. They're all great. I think the next level of guy, you know, Harlan's great. We love him. I think yeah. there's a, a a level of guys who could learn something uh, or learn again. You know, Jamie Roots likes to say we don't need to be educated as much as we need to be reminded. Uh, if you listen to stuff like that, to the way Pat used to call an opening and things like that, and the 
the way he economizes on words. All right, we don't have much from around the league today, Johnny. Anything stand out to you about what the owners talked about today? It was a lot of stuff about all right, the Rooney Rule story has been in play. You and I talked about yeah. that uh, about that yesterday. I wasn't too surprised that they tabled the aspect yeah. of the draft picks. I mean that that was not that was not surprising, you know, mm-hmm. at all. I mean that was that was to be expected in some sense. So um yeah, I don't I don't know if there was there was much um kind of waiting to see if and when they decide on particular rules changes, if they're going to vote or come to any kind of agreement on this on you know any of the rules changes. Not the ones that I threw at you the other night. Um but the there that fourth and fifteen onside kick has been presented, and I can't remember if it was the Eagles. Is the Eagles or the Redskins presented? I believe that. it's the Eagles. Yeah, and the Eagles presented the the rules. And every year the teams get to submit rules. And one year the Patriots had like eight of the fourteen. This year I think the, the Eagles had uh, their share uh, submitted. So I don't know how that process works, but that to me is is what I'll be looking forward to you know are there any rules changes that that the owners look at and say hey we need to discuss this or we need to change this and they vote on something like that so that's the one um that I'll be I'll be curious to see how that goes down but I, I think the amendments adjustments whatever you want to say about the Rooney rule I think as we talked about last night I think they're good I think that draft pick thing that they had attached to it uh, that was that was not that was not going to be a good situation. I think that was pretty much universal. It felt like that was sort of a crowdsource thing. Throw it out there, see how people react, and yep. then we'll just oh boy, they don't like this. So yeah. let's not go with that. And, and I think that does happen in sports and other things. By the way, yeah. uh, that's going to do it for tonight. It always goes by uh, way too fast, Johnny. And I know tomorrow we get another big one. And Thursday we have uh, John McClain coming on the show, of course. And you never know who else is going to drop by. Oh, you're you're catching up with max sharping tomorrow that's gonna be fun that's right i am so we'll have max sharping yeah we'll have max sharping hopefully tomorrow we've got a few other interviews scheduled at some point i hope tim kelly what about tim kelly let's get to him tomorrow night. yes we have tim kelly tomorrow night as well so uh yeah we'll we'll definitely have uh a few things a few things on tap for tomorrow hearing from tim kelly that'd be pretty interesting to hear tim kelly now the play caller and not just the offense coordinator, but first-year play caller for the Texans. So that should be fun. So we'll have all and that for you. you've got tomorrow. an In the Lab podcast up there with uh, mm-hmm. Drew and some other good stuff on HoustonTexans.com. All right, thank oh, yeah. you, Joanna, for producing. Thank you, Johnny. Have a great night, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. It's Radio 610. 